0: G'day, welcome back, Darren Mitchell here, and you're listening to another episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast on this Thursday, the 25th of August, 2022. Trust you're doing well, trust your sales team's doing well, and everything is pointing to finishing off the week as a very successful week. Now, I'm doing something really, uh, really strange today, something quite unique today. I'm actually jumping on a plane. Uh, I haven't been on a plane for, well, a number of months. Uh, back in May, I went, I went up to Sydney to run a, run a workshop uh, as part of a conference for a large organization, and today jumping on a plane for a small trip down to the beautiful state of Tasmania. Uh, spending a day tomorrow with a group of leaders talking all things leadership and helping them become more exceptional in their craft of leading, which I'm really, really looking forward to. So uh, recording this podcast, having a quick bite to eat, and then uh, jumping in the car and heading down to the airport for uh, for a flight mid-afternoon. So looking forward to that. Now, in today's episode, we're going to have a conversation around the key to exceptional sales performance. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you've been following me on LinkedIn, or if you know me, you know that I'm dedicated to helping sales leaders become exceptional, and I love it. Absolutely love working with sales leaders in their teams, helping them become successful, helping them oversee exceptional sales teams. And quite frankly, I cannot see myself doing anything else for the rest of my career. Such is my, I guess, my passion, my dedication to the craft of sales leadership. Uh, having said that, I also work with a lot of leaders who are not in sales, but a lot of the principles apply to uh, to non-sales leaders as well. But really. Sales leadership is where it's all about, and when you think about organizations and their profitability, their revenue streams, nothing happens unless sales are made, and unfortunately, many people in the uh, in the community don't necessarily look at salespeople favorably, and they often look at salespeople as being people who are pushy, who retrofit solutions, make it all about their product, and try to get you to buy things that perhaps you don't need or don't want, and try to extract money from you that perhaps you don't have, so they can actually create... Uh, some sales. Now, that is uh, that is uh, unfortunately a bit of a fallacy. It's not based in reality. Uh, and my job is to help sales teams and sales leaders as part of that sales team to increase their level of credibility in the marketplace, but also drive forward and create value because I've said this many, many times that ultimately sales is problem solving. And if we can become great problem solvers, then not only do we create a good name for ourselves in the marketplace, not that that's what it's all about, but we can actually add significant value to businesses' bottom lines and the people within those businesses to the point where if you can articulate a problem better than a customer, a potential customer can articulate a problem, they will unconsciously attribute you as having that solution. And they'll lean into that. They'll want to know what that solution is. And if we can actually provide the solution to that particular problem and deliver it based on ethics, integrity, and not walk away from the sale, because the other thing I've always said as well as a sales Actually begins or the sale begins at the end of the sales process, and that 's when it begins so once you 've sold the product that 's when the selling really starts it 's what happens after the product has been sold that 's the most important thing so we can we can start to increase level of credibility with uh, within the marketplace that sales teams and sales leaders have now when I look at many sales leaders irrespective of the size of the organization, many of them don 't have consistent frameworks that they use they don 't have Consistent approaches or methodologies, and often they'll bring in a methodology or an approach from another organisation. And so there's sometimes there's a bit of a, a mismatch or a hotchpotch of different methodologies, or you've got a company that keeps changing the methodology. And I've I, why do I know this? Because I've worked for organisations that has almost been it's been the the methodology of the quarter, and in some cases the methodology of the month. Uh, depending on what the focus is on the senior executives and also depends on the relationships they have with some of these bigger external providers such as uh, Siebel or Oracle or Millerheim and etc. So there's a lot of different uh, methodologies out there. Uh, what I've been really privileged to be part of is, is as a mentor, part of an organization known as Sales Director Central. And as an organization, we're there to help founders, directors, and owners scale through excellence in sales leadership. And I wanted to talk about this today because it's really important that as a sales leader, we have a level of consistency around how we implement our go-to-market strategy, how we actually run a system, how we run a framework that enables our sales team to have uh, certainty, uh, consistency, and confidence that the conversations they're having, the planning they're doing, and the execution they're putting in place is going to maximize the opportunity of getting a return. For all of that effort. Now there are so many sales teams out there, irrespective of the size of the organisation, that are still winging it. And I remember back when I was a sales leader back at Optus, and I made this mistake of of relying too much on the perceptions of the salespeople and the account managers who believe they have great relationships with their customers. And one of the key areas for that was their in relationships were not deep enough, nor were they broad enough. So they're a one-dimensional in nature, but they thought they had great relationships. So when it came to particular deals that we're trying to forecast and provide some level of certainty to the business that we're gonna close this, this business before the end of the quarter or the end of the month, often I'd have an account manager say, hey, 99% probable this is gonna come out, get over the line, uh, my relationship with this particular person is really strong, and they've guaranteed me that this is going to happen. Now, I've I've said this many times on the podcast that uh, very often that did not eventuate, and the reason why it didn't eventuate is the relationship that the account manager thought they had was not reciprocated by the relationship that the customer thought they had. And in fact, they weren't talking to the decision maker. They probably even weren't talking to the key influencer, and hence, in many cases, we were gazumped by. Other organizations, you had better relationships. And so from a sales leadership point of view, there's a number of things that we have as responsibilities, but we need to, first and foremost, take responsibility for the delivery of the outcome. Now, how do we do that in an effective way? Well, we've got to have some sort of process or some sort of foundation that enables us to build certainty and give us confidence that we've got a methodology that will enable us to increase the chances of closing as much business as we possibly can. But also when it comes to forecasting, Start forecasting with a high level of confidence so that when we're sitting in front of a director, a senior director, and in some cases the managing director, and giving a forecast in terms of what we're going to deliver, then we do have a high level of confidence that what we say is actually going to translate. So we've got to say there's nothing worse than sitting in front of a senior director and saying, we're going to close this piece of business only to find that it doesn't happen. Then you've got to go back, sometimes with a tail between your legs, and try to explain as to why your forecast was not accurate. It starts to diminish your level of credibility. So as a sales leader, it's such an important aspect of sales leadership that we become exceptional in doubling down on what are the key areas that we need to focus on in order to maximize our return. Now, I've spoken many times with with teams and with leaders that they don't necessarily always get the, the transition plan, the blueprint, the assistance, the support in order to become successful uh, really quickly in a sales leadership role, and many of them are left to their own devices, and specifically in the space that we're working in as mentors with Sales Director Central is a lot of these sales directors and sales leaders don't have that methodology. They're pretty much on their own or relying on what they've felt has worked for them in the past, hoping it's going to work in this new organization. So what I love about being a mentor here is the simplicity and the effectiveness of uh, essentially a six-pillar process or a six-pillar framework that will enable us to create a high-performing team, and it's known as PAMAS. So if you like information about this, please send me a note, darren at darrenmitchell.com.au. More than happy to give you more information and certainly happy to have a conversation with you about this. Uh, if you're interested in learning a little bit more about this methodology with this process or if you want some help in helping to create a more exceptional sales team and give some certainty not only to your organization but, more importantly, some more certainty to your sales team to increase the probability of uh, conversion rates going up and also more importantly, increasing significantly your revenue and profitability. So to do that, simply go to leadwithdarren.com and more than happy to have that conversation. So what I wanted to do in this episode is just run through at a really high level the six key uh, pillars to the framework, which is known as PAMAS. And PAMAS is an acronym and it stands for Planning, Accountability, Methodology, Indicators, Cadence, and Execution. So the first part is planning. Now, we, we I see this all the time. When it comes to planning and I ask a sales leader to show me an account plan or a strategy plan, uh, very often they look at me in a little bit of a blank, blank fashion. And even in big organizations that I go into, there's very, very rarely do you see an account manager or a strategic account manager having a clearly defined account plan, and I am staggered at that. Now, when it comes to planning, and you might have heard this, that if you fail to plan, well, you plan to fail, and it's actually quite true. So in the planning phase, it's really, really important to think about a basic account plan. Think about what is, what does your account look like? Who are the key stakeholders? You might even have a territory plan, and for each opportunity, depending on the size of the opportunity we should have an opportunity plan as well because what this does, it enables us to not only look at an account from multiple different perspectives, to look at, okay, where are our strengths and where are our blind spots? Where are some things that perhaps we need to put some more investment in time or in resources into so we can actually increase the credibility that we have as an organization and through that process identify opportunities where we can you know, stack the odds in our favor. We've got to be able to do this information, this planning. Unfortunately, what happens is most organizations are so fixated on their products and their services, they think their products and services will sell themselves, Uh, the harsh reality is that is not the case. It is the organizations and the sales teams who are able to sit down and plan. And when I say planning, what I'm not saying is you've got to sit down and plan within an inch of your life. That is not, because sometimes you can suffer from paralysis by analysis, but we do have to do some significant planning in terms of who are the key people, what are the key strategies, what's the key problem. That exists within this customer or within this industry that the customer is operating in that we might be able to help them with. The only way to identify that is to start to put a plan together. And when it comes to the opportunity, we've got to look at what is the opportunity? Is there in fact an opportunity? And start building a strategy from that. So the P part of pamas is the planning part. The next one is A, and A is all about accountability. So when you say you're going to do something, then you got to do it because when you think about it, your personal brand will impact on the brand of the sales team and a commitment to action, ownership of deliverables, and a commitment to the number is what it's all about. So, From an accountability point of view, one of the things we don't see often enough in, in sales teams is the regular sales meetings. They might have a sales meeting, but there's no real clearly defined purpose for that sales meeting. Often, the sales meetings that I attend and uh, my experiences I've attended in the past is very general sort of meetings when they're talking about overarching strategies from the business or maybe there's some new product improvements or some information that senior executives have passed down. So they become an information sharing uh, forum. What I'm talking about here is driving accountability. So having sales meetings that we can specifically talk about deals, particular opportunities, and maybe share information that might help other sales people within the team To improve their ability to plan and their ability to execute. The other thing that I don't see often enough either is deal reviews. So what sort of deal review doing? As I mentioned before, I used to suffer from what I call relationship-itis, where I would take almost the word of the account manager as gospel to say that based on the relationship, we would get the deal. And I didn't apply rigor and I didn't drive accountability around that particular salesperson when it came to reviewing an opportunity or reviewing a deal. And so doing deal reviews is an opportunity to drive accountability, but it's also an opportunity for us to identify, do we have any gaps here, or there anything that we need to be conscious of where we could be depositioned by our competitors? So also thinking about how can we drive that? So what sort of uh, reviews do we put in place? What sort of information do we share in sales meetings, and what sort of commits do we make? And when we're making a commitment. We want to make sure there's a very high probability that that's going to come off when we're making that commitment, unlike what I experienced many, many years ago. So that's the A, driving accountability. M in PAMAS is all about the methodology. So it's about having some consistency with how we go about things. Now, irrespective of the sales methodology that you might have, within that, there needs to be a consistent methodology that we as sales leaders utilize in order for us to drive consistency, certainty, and therefore maximize the return of the effort we're putting in. So it's about thinking about what are the account formats we need to put in place? What sort of communication strategies do we need to put in place? How do we utilize customer data? What sort of information do we get? What sort of tactics do we need to put in place so that we can move the particular opportunity forward? So it's not about your selling methodology per se because many different organizations will have one. It's utilizing that, that methodology to maximum effect by taking advantage of the information that you do have available to therefore increase the opportunity of getting a return on that effort. The I in PAMIS is all about the indicators. So this is about the action steps. It's about how do I measure how we're tracking. Um, To measure, and it's often been said that you cannot manage what you cannot measure, and that is absolutely true. There are so many deals that uh, I've been involved in that I've had to make uh, adjustments to re- recommit forecast or decommit forecasts based on uh, these indicators not being in place. So there's been a lot of slippage. There's been a lot of, let's just say, excuse making to uh, to try and appease senior leaders. So when we put indicators in place, we've got to put some clearly defined action steps. We've got to put some measurements in place. We've got to monitor how we're going against these actions that we've put in place, which means we've got to be open to feedback and being able to adjust as we go through, knowing that We're always looking at how we can improve and how we can actually take the next step and what is the next call to action. So I often look at indicators as being almost little gates that we have to go through that will enable us to then take to the next step and almost get a little bit closer to closing that particular deal and maximizing the percentage that this deal is actually going to happen. So what are those indicators? The C, therefore, in PAMIS is once those indicators are in place, we now have a level of cadence. So what sort of information are we looking at on a regular basis? Are we conducting the deal reviews? Are we doing appropriate forecasting and not finger in the air type forecasting, uh, wishing upon a star type forecasting, but are are we doing some real, dedicated, specific, um, articulated, scientific based forecasting with a level of Reality attached to it. Now, the other part of cadence as well, and this is one thing that I find many sales leaders unfortunately do not excel in, and that is one on one. So, a key part of the cadence rhythm, if you like, is having regular sit downs with your sales executive. Now, it's not necessarily just to look at a particular deal or to review the progress of a particular deal, it's also to help them develop in their execution strategy, their development strategy in terms of how they're articulating a message, how they can actually write an executive summary as part of an RFP response or how do they put together a pitch deck which they need to actually then present a solution to a customer as part of the buying process. It's all that sort of stuff that we have a regular cadence where, again, it drives a level of consistency. And then the last part of PAMAS is the E, which is the execution. This is all around motivating sales and it's not being a motivational speaker. It's all about making sure that every single person, including you as a sales leader, is taking the action that's required and creating an environment that inspires people to take to take action. So really, the execution part is the accumulation of all the previous steps, and it's really about focusing on value, being accountable, having targets, measuring against those targets, measuring progress, but more importantly, celebrating success, particularly when the deal closes. Now, the methodology with this, the, the PAMIS methodology, When we go into an organization, there may be a number of areas where a sales team or a sales leader is actually executing quite well. And what we find is there's maybe one or two key areas that perhaps are a little bit deficient in or not as strong in. And if we can actually start to apply some methodology and some rigor and some frameworks around that particular area, then in just about every single case, we see an uptick in revenue generation and in conversion rates, which goes directly to the bottom line in terms of sales converted revenue booked. And that's exactly what we want to do. And in the process, we start to create an exceptional sales team. Now, when that happens, it's like it's almost like the snowball effect. The snowball starts to build momentum, and it's very, very difficult, if not impossible, to slow down that momentum. So that is the uh, that is the PAMIS methodology. It's the key to helping sales teams become exceptional in what they do. And in the process helping a sales leader move from just a normal sales leader to become an exceptional sales leader. So as I mentioned, if you're interested in knowing a little bit more about this particular methodology, uh, more than happy to give you some more information. Simply send me an email at Darren at darrenmitchell.com.au and of course, if you want to have a conversation about potentially working together, running through this methodology, if you'd like some help with your sales team, maybe implementing something like this where you know you can actually drive some significant improvements in your conversion rates but also your revenue generation love to have a conversation. To do that, simply go to leadwithdarren.com and I'll be more than happy to have a conversation. So with that said, hopefully that message resonates. Hopefully it makes sense. I really appreciate you plugging in to this particular episode and I very much look forward to sharing with you on the very next episode of the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. All the best.